Yeah, let's do this. Yeah, let's talk about a thing. Listeners. Nope. <laughs> let's start that again. <clears throat> Listeners, you're listening to another exciting episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. This is a podcast where we friends get together and talk about a horror movie, which we will spoil. But first, we talk about some recently watched, which we try not to spoil. We thank the Moonrays for giving us that song, Intro Creature Features, at the top of the show. You can find their music on Apple Music or uh, Amazon. Sure. Uh, where I'm you sure can, it's on there. Yeah, where you can buy it digitally or say hello to them on uh, the Facebook. The Facebook. Yes, where they are, the Moon Dash Rays. Okay. Uh, we're not professional critics. We are your hosts. I am Richard. I'm here with Jolian. Hello. And Will. Good morning. So, we went to the movies for yeah. one, of, one of the few times... First time in years. Yeah, strange, right? Um, Since Antlers. Yeah. For me. Yeah, I think same for me. Like, Will and I got free passes to go see Antlers like a year and a half ago. Yeah, last October, I think. Okay, it was a year ago-ish. And that's been it. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. I haven't been since the before times. Yeah. Before time, before COVID. Mm -hmm. Right. So we, but, and we did it right. We went to the uh, Alamo Draft House, which... You weren't impressed? Well, I don't like watching a film with people going backs and forwards with food. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if the food was really good, maybe. It was adequate. But yeah, the food's only adequate. (laughs) What did you get? I didn't even get to see. Chicken fingers or tenders or whatever the fuck they call those things now. Yeah. They're all right. Yeah. I I swatted them away. Yeah. I used everything. Yeah. Be was, gone with you, sir. Be gone, I say. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's just say food aside. Like, let's say that the people sitting on either side of you weren't eating food, uh, or, or staff going to and fro in front of me. Yeah. Yeah. Apart from that, really cool venue. Yeah. They make everyone shut up, or they're going to kick them out. Yeah. That's really cool. Shut off your damn cell phone. We're uh, going to drag you out of here. Too bright. Way too bright. Yeah. What? The projection. Yeah. Oh. Okay. I did not notice that. I felt, I felt like it was adequate. <laughs> nope. 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 Yeah, that's how I always feel when I go to the Alamo Draft House. Like this could be a really cool venue, but I think the food, the seats are pretty comfortable. Yeah, because um, everyone's got lights on for the, you know, food and stuff. The, ta- yeah. the table, it's, yeah, it's just too bright. That that part, I do want that to dim when you don't need it. Mm-hmm. Because I do want a dark, dark theater. Yeah. You know. Um, but let's talk about Recently Watched, then we'll talk a little more about that. Uh, do you guys have much since last time? 
I have three films I can remember. All right. Oh, okay. Do you want to? Do you want to hit it, Will? Sure. I All watched right. The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Which one? Which one? <laughs> That's the first question. Twenty-three. Okay. Oh. Lon Chaney. Yeah, Lon Chaney. Wow. Because I hadn't seen it in a hundred million years, and uh, there's a pretty good copy on YouTube of all places. Really? Huh. Yeah, it looked good, so I watched it. Hmm. Still yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, Lon Chaney <laughs> is fantastic actor for acting, you know, in a silent film. Yeah, because you do have to overact a little bit. all that makeup and yeah. everything. Yeah, no. He's, it's one of those films where because they built those huge sets and you, you see those sets over and over. Uh-huh. Yeah, and you, you, I don't know why. You think maybe because the book is a tad boring, but uh, he, he goes into a lot of uh, uh, about the buildings and whatnot in Paris. Uh, when I read it, I was not. <laughs> I wanted to get back to the right. the people, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, really, really good. Uh, and then to top that off, we watched uh, Phantom of the Opera from 1925, another wow. Lon Chaney. Okay. So it was a Lon Chaney double bill. Now, did they put anything, did, did they dub an actual um, score over it? Uh, yeah, both of them had um, some sort of... Philip uh, Glass. Yeah, I don't know who it was. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I saw it. I think it must have been the 25 version, but they had a live accompaniment when I saw it. Nice. They had a Grand Guignol play, and then they showed Phantom of the Opera oh. with live music. Nice. Yeah, this one had the uh, color uh, gels, so mm-hmm. uh, most of the time you see it, it's just black and white. My roommate had never seen it with that. And he's like, I don't think this movie's right. I'm like, no, no. It starts off rad. They're in the underground. Pretty common. Yeah, yeah. It happens. Now, he plays a pipe organ. Yeah. Your roommate does. Yeah. Uh, not in the house, necessarily, but he plays he one. He does in the house. Oh, he has a pipe yeah. organ in the house. Yeah, well, an electric one. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he wears a mask, but it's only half. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So what uh, is he... he used to play uh, four silent movies, so. Oh, wow. wow. So uh, That is cool. Yeah, uh, but every time he'd watch them, they were just in black and white because that was, you know, in the 80s. So Okay. Uh, Did he have much to say about uh, the authenticity of the pipe organ playing in the movie? Um, <laughs> did he say the finger placement was all wrong and stuff like that? Uh, what did he say about... I think he was okay with both of them. I think he knew the person who was conducting or playing... Uh, for Hunchback. Oh, okay. Uh, which is why we watched it. It's got to be a small community, right? Yeah, it's pretty small. <laughs> uh, I imagine, you know. Yeah. Uh, he refers to most people just by their first name, so. Oh. And like, I don't know, I don't know any of these people. Who are you talking about? <laughs> oh, I just go, okay, yeah, yeah Jeff sure. scored this one. Oh, yeah, Jeff, great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But those were good movies, and I don't watch good movies. (laughs) Uh, So to get over that, I watched an Italian movie called Cannibal World, because it was a mid-70s cannibal movie. Is it it about an amusement park? Uh, You would think so. You would hope it would be like Disneyland. I want to go to Cannibal World. But... uh, What is... The alternate title something like, My Daughter is a Cannibal, Uh and it's uh, basically... A 
1970s remake of a 1930s white goddess movie. So, mm-hmm. oh, okay. you know, uh, some people are lost. They're eaten by cannibals. Guy loses his arm. He gets away, but his daughter uh, becomes queen yes. of the cannibals. Oh. Not much else happens. It's pretty dull for a cannibal movie. I was expecting, you know, something. But... At least some screaming and running and people getting their arm gnawed on or something? You get, you get a little bit of that. Oh, okay. But not as much you as know. you want. Yeah, no, I was, you know, hoping... I mean, not really, but I was hoping some turtles were going to meet their end. <laughs> or some other animals, you know. Something to keep you awake. A shark or two, you know. Is, is a Kill those things. Is a zombie going to fight a shark in yeah, this? Yeah, you know, but no, not much happens, and then uh, it's over. Yeah. You're like, mm, well, I stayed awake through all of that. Wow. <laughs> and that's yeah. it for me. Oh. I mean, I'm sure I watched other things, but nothing good. <laughs> Jolien, what about you? Uh, I read a good book. Um, so the University of Melbourne has is, is been doing books uh, under the horror studies title. Um, so that uh, this was a book by Alexandra Hello Nicholas and uh, came out in 2019 called Masks in Horror Cinema, Eyes Without Faces. Hmm. So it's a deep dive into masks. Okay. The history of masks, various cultures, masks, various meanings in movies, the way the meanings change over the years. Right. Um, you know what? Um, you know, even within the Halloween franchise, masks change. Yes. Um, so yeah, very interesting. Yeah, it's it's weird how. What is it? Is it part five where it just. He looks. His head looks like a light bulb. <laughs> it's just so stupid. It's like I, I understand you want to change the sculpt for the movie for just make it look good. Just don't. Yeah, don't that, that 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 mask is. Um, you know, that, that's like one of the most famous horror movie masks there is. Yes. And uh, you know, it's interesting in different ways because it starts off as a blank mask. Yes. She she has this whole chapter about blank masks where there's like the identity is erased. Yes. So, like a famous one is Blood and Black Lace, where it's just blank. Right. Mm. Utterly yeah. blank. And then uh, this one you've got uh, is a blank mask in the sense of uh, it's like a death mask. But uh, also, you know, any horror fan knows that it's the William Shatner mask, mm-hmm. which has been painted over and cut. Yes, Down Post Studios. And uh, yeah, uh, most fans don't remark that it's also it was cast from William Shatner when he was doing The Devil's Reign. Right. Which if you watch that it looks just like Michael Myers. Oh yeah, yeah. They even have the holes cut. It looks really similar, yeah. <laughs> it's weird. Um Yeah, figure that movie out. <laughs> yeah, good luck. <laughs> Ernest Borgnine is a ram man or uh-huh. goat, goat man at yes. some point. Why is it called The Devil's Reign? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, there's rain. Okay. There is rain. There's devil worship. There's a devil. Yeah. Wow. Sure. What a weird movie. <laughs> but when? At what point does he take ownership of the rain? Oh, don't know that he true. does. Yeah. Doesn't seem to do them much good. No. But uh, anyway, recommend that book. <clears throat> She's uh, her new one's about Suspiria. Oh. oh. So I shall hunt that one down when it comes out. Oh man, I gotta read that. 
Uh, and then I watched uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Oh, how is it? Fantastic. I've heard good things. I've seen so many. There's so many good films come out in the last year or two. Yeah, just fantastic films. Um, so this is by the Daniels, uh, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert. I'm not sure of his surname, um, but overwhelmingly fabulous. Good. Loved it's it. Michelle uh, Yeoh. Michelle Yeoh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Really. So good. Probably my favourite Jamie Lee Curtis role. Oh, nice. Um, so basically, uh, Michelle Yeoh, is, she's running a laundry with her husband. And um, he's about to serve her with a paper for divorce. Her daughter's uh, fed up with him. And she's she's trying to come out. And uh, But, you know, the mother's always running around saying she's too busy, too busy. And... Uh, they're being audited so they mm. have to go to the IRS office and uh, the the person they see there is played by Jamie Lee Curtis mm. um, at that point this is pretty soon into the movie at that point when they're sitting down doing the audit interview um, other universes start to break through oh and it gets really wild um, it's got uh, Stephanie too plays the daughter, the husband who I didn't recognize at first, but Emily Emily figured out who he was is K Hung Kwan. He played Short Round. Oh my God! And he played Data in the Goonies. Grown up Short Round. He wow. He had to drop out of movies in the nineties because there were just no roles for Asian yeah actors. Yeah, um, but you... he's in this. He's fantastic. Yeah, especially if actors wanted to get away from stereotypes. I really thought they should have brought him back for the the Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull instead <laughs> of Shia LaBeouf. Sure. Oh, God. You know, he could be Definitely. Indy's adopted son. Um, yeah, and and so him and Michelle Yeoh are having to play multiple people. Nice. And Jamie Lee Curtis as well. They're having to play multiple people. At, you know, from second to second, you don't know who they're going to be. Uh, Jenny Slate is in it. She's she's done a lot of voice work. She did uh, Harley Quinn and some stuff. She was in Venom. Um, the grandfather of the family is played by James Hong. Oh, really? Wow. He is hysterical. Oh man, I haven't he seen gets him to in play multiple roles too. Uh, and and then if you're watching all the stunt people, you recognize some faces in it. Like uh, uh, Michiko Nishiwaki is in it. I haven't seen her in ages. Um, she's um, she was in the Angel Terminator series. She was in My Lucky Stars. You know, classic mm-hmm. action Hong Kong movies. Um, it's uh, I've seen some reviews where they say it's too long, but I think what it is is it's exhausting mm. because there's so much being thrown at you and you don't know where you're going to be literally from second to second, and when it does flip to something else, it's something completely crazy and you're like scrambling to deal with what you're seeing. How interesting. <laughs> it's so nuts. It sounds like some pretty daring choices in filmmaking. Yeah. And Good. I was, I was amazed. It, it's fairly low budget. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It made a lot of money for A24. I think it's their biggest moneymaker. Nice. Yeah, beat out Hereditary. But um, yeah, it's, it's incredible. Ah, oh, yeah. I've heard good things. Yeah. Uh, really, really does carry you to some heights. And Excellent. <laughs> yeah, very, very happy to watch that one. So that that's it. 
Wow. Um, since last time, let's see. <clears throat> I don't know if I talked about having finally seen the video dead. Did I talk about that a yes. couple shows ago? Yeah, I did. Uh, I saw that on my list and I thought, did I forget to talk about that? So, no. so good. I talked about it. Let's not talk about it. Um, <laughs> you didn't rewatch it. I did not rewatch it, but I, uh, I thought I might've skipped talking about it. Like give two, it a bad review. This two shows time. ago. <laughs> you gave it a good review last time. Yeah. I, I, fl- I flip flopped on the whole thing. It sucks now. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think I didn't like it. I didn't like it. I like, don't recall you liking it. No. no. And, and I, so now you love it. Yeah. Yeah, I had to sit with it for a while. I did watch Day Shift. Now, this is a Jamie Foxx movie uh, that is available on Netflix, I believe. I think that's where I watched it. Uh, it's uh, it's an action comedy, but it's also a vampire movie. Oh. I won't I won't say it's primarily a horror or vampires as much as it is first and foremost action comedy. Uh, it does kind of for a little while turn into a buddy comedy uh because dave franco is in it the less problematic of the franco brothers (laughs) he's actually really funny in this Uh, well he i think he's generally pretty funny in the things he's in but uh he's he's a likable uh person and his character is just kind of this straight arrow nerdy dork who's trying to help a vampire hunter uh, he wants to help him stick to the rules of their union. They have a union. And there are a lot of vampires, apparently, in L.A. And part of part of the joke here, of course, is that although they're, you know, they're not able to be out during the day, that if they're indoors, you know, they can come out and fight you a bit. You know, that's kind of how how the picture works. So this vampire hunter, played by Jamie Foxx, is cruising around in a pool cleaning, like a really beat up vehicle that he has, pickup truck, uh, that says he's a pool cleaner. And he does show up and clean some pools, but then his main focus is finding and killing the vampires. If he pulls his fangs, there's a guy at a pawn shop who will buy them. And depending on what kind of vampire it is, they could be worth a lot of money. And he's just trying to... um, win over his estranged wife and keep in the good graces of his young daughter and try to keep up his responsibilities while going out and vampire hunting. So you can imagine things are pretty funny sometimes when, you know, you're showing up and trying to kill some vampires in a house. Uh, so, uh, this one I'm going to say, if you want to just turn your brain off, uh, watch some pretty decent special effects and some really pretty good action sequences, especially the car chase stuff uh, and a lot of the fights. It's, it's a good one. I think, I think that uh, you'll have a lot of fun with it. Uh, Snoop Dogg does show, show up in this one, <laughs> and he's a lot of fun in it. Good. I think he you know, isn't in the whole movie because, well... Coolio's not just in a shot somewhere <laughs> random, is he? Yeah, he's in the background. Doesn't look like he knows he's in the movie. Yeah. No, Coolio's not in it. Um, in fact, it's just a clip directly from <laughs> the Leprechaun. Leprechaun in the Hood. <laughs> <laughs> oh, such a terrible movie. Uh, so this is... Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Another directorial debut from a guy named J.J. Perry. I think it's a guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, we don't know. Yeah, we don't know. JJ can be anything. 
uh, yeah, so here we are. We've got uh, a new Baywatch. vampire movie. All right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I decided to give The Walking Dead another chance and just go, all right, you know, I, I gave it another chance and then I kind of lost track of it and quit watching it. I, I, I've gotten back into it just to say, all right, let's let's see this through. Let's just... Fell off The Walking Dead wagon. Yeah. Yeah. I, for some dumb reason, climb back on. Um, still just feels like they're recycling the same things over and over and over. And Have I'm, we learned that man's the real monster? <laughs> you know, the man who keeps making this is the, the real monster. monster. <laughs> yeah. It's um, all about consumerism, ironically. <laughs> right. Yeah. It doesn't know it's about consumerism. Yes, it does. Uh, so, yeah, that. And then, of course, nope. So. I'm sorry, what? Nope. Fine, don't tell us. Oh, we have to say about when we were coming back in the car from watching. Oh this. yeah, so we're all in the car. Um, my uh, my wife gets a, a an incoming call, which of course comes through the stereo, and it's it's her it's my mother in law, and uh, she she's she's like, "What are you up to?" And it's like, "Oh, we're driving back from the movies." Uh, you know, the the guys from the podcast are in the car, and and uh, what'd you see? And she goes, "Nope." Well, fine. Don't tell me that. <laughs> she says. She hangs up. It's perfect. <laughs> After about a minute or so, yeah, she hangs up on her because she wouldn't say so. No. Nope. Mom, it's called Nope. How have you not heard of this? <laughs> so this is uh, written, directed, and co-produced by Jordan Peele under the uh, Monkey Paw Productions yeah. name. Um, this is brand new. Well, it's been out for a few weeks, but we finally went. Uh, what, how would you categorize this as, uh, what, what genre slash subgenres is this film? Horror sci-fi comedy. Mm, okay. Julian, what yeah, do you say? Sci-fi. Uh, science fiction. I have the Wikipedia page open and they describe it as a neo-Western science fiction horror film. Mm. Okay. I don't mm. know if I'd classify it as a Western. Neo-Western? Cause is there really much horsing around going on here like is there a lot of roping and there's a run the ranching yeah. yeah yeah it's mostly just it definitely plays with westerns it does. it does that is stirred into it for sure but it i don't think it really it kind of does drive the story in the sense it that it plays with how um uh movies have sanitized west and also cut certain populations out of history yeah through the use of the western yeah 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 westerns aren't really good at truth telling and uh being inclusive or yeah they can be but you know the 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 usual the popular idea of westerns is it's generally white and uh so you don't get you know there was a huge cowboy population was black Mm -hmm. yeah you have you have the population of Asians who built railroads oh yeah the cost of their lives yeah. oh yeah yeah there's there's a there's a lot of stories that are just sort of uh, barely told or not told at all in most of these cases and you know it's it's like marginalized people well who's telling their story well Jordan Peele's like you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna throw some history into this one too <laughs> yeah 
so he, he he does give you a, a little history lesson about the first film is of a cowboy riding a horse, and that is a black cowboy. So so well, black jockey. Yeah, well, jockey. Yes. Yeah. Um, so your your first movie star arguably is a black man. Yeah. So cool, man. That's yeah. Kind of, it's kind of nice that he he was able to put that at the forefront. Uh, they did that little bit at Alamo Draft House where they. They did the little interview segment beforehand where yes. he, yeah. he talks about that. Yeah, I thought that was a nice addition. I don't know if, if uh, other theaters ran that or not. But, you know, sometimes they do different kind of preview stuff. I don't know. But Alamo Drafthouse likes to do fun stuff. Yes. They, they do a lot of weird little montages and previews and things. And then they do the sit down and shut up thing, which they have fun with typically. And then the, no, but seriously, sit down and shut up or we'll kick you out. Yeah. <laughs> so they do a jokey, fun one, and then a serious one, and then the movie starts. Uh, what did you think of the pace of this one, Julian? I liked it, yeah. yeah. No problem. I had yeah. no problem with the pacing. Yeah, considering that going into it, we found out what the runtime was, which was 130 minutes. Yeah. Two hours, 10 minutes. Um. It's like, well, is this going to feel slow or is it going to be one of those movies where by the end of it, if you hadn't known, you would have had no clue it was that long? Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't think so. I didn't. It may have felt a little draggy in the middle, but I don't I didn't really f- think that. I, I think it just kind of quieted down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It slows down a bit in the middle for, mm-hmm. you know. For probably I, I saw a lot set up of reasons. Complaining, you know. Really? Yeah, you, you made the slow. You made the mistake. You read reviews. Yeah. You're like, well, you, I wanted to see what people thought about it and what they thought the the message of this film was. And these weren't critic reviews. These were like user reviews. User reviews. Yeah. So what did people say? Meh. <laughs> <laughs> Most people, or at least Sh- shrug emoji. <laughs> a lot of reviews I read were just like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. What? Uh, Jordan Peele needs to stop making movies. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. To make way for whom? M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah. yeah the, <laughs> a couple people compared him to M. Night Shyamalan. Oh, dear. No. And that his movie, he had one good movie and now he's just going to produce crap. I'm like, <sighs> really now? Basically, I'm saying racist for leaving bad reviews. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that people are the real monsters. People are the real monsters. <laughs> Critics. As well as monsters. Yeah. Um, what did you think of the way, and I thought, personally, the, the pacing was fine, and, and any slowdown in the middle was okay, because it was probably setting up for how it was going to ramp up. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, this was divided into chapters that were named after the different horses in their in the characters' lives. Mm-hmm. So I think some of which were alive still and some weren't. You know, from, yeah, I think there's only one animal that makes it that yeah. was named. Yeah. It, that, that was a chapter heading. Yeah. So we had Ghost, Clover, Gordy, Lucky, and Jean Jacket. Yeah. Now... There's a thing that seems like a non sequitur. That's the sequence where there's a chimp on what looks like a, a set for a television show. Mm-hmm. And something obviously has gone horribly wrong. And we revisit this later. Uh, Steven Yun's character uh, apparently was a child star and a chimpanzee freaked out 
on the set of the show. Gordy. Gordy, yes. Um, did I say? Did I say they were all horses? Because <laughs> Gordy is the chimp. Gordy is a chimp. We got you. We got yeah, yeah. You That's understand. Right. <clears throat> Animals. They're easy to confuse. I'm they look gonna, a lot alike. I'll just say it again and then just edit it in. Okay. Uh, so it's divided into different chapters where they're all animals. And their names are... Anyway. Uh, so Gordy is this chimp. Now, um, if you've ever seen Dana Gould's stand-up routine or listen to his <laughs> podcast, he talks about how chimps... He does a joke bit about how chimps have what's called an attack protocol. Uh-huh. And it's instinctive to chimpanzees at a certain age, males in particular. I don't know if female chimpanzees do this or not. But they uh, they will decide that someone is a threat. They will break their jaw, bite off their fingers, uh, not just break their jaw, maybe tear their face off as well, uh-huh. and then tear the genitals off. Yeah. And this is to make sure that you can't bite them back, claw at them, uh, strangle them, or... Uh-huh reproduce in their hood yeah so this looks like this chimp maybe did that on the set horrifying uh and this and this is the background of steven yun's character who now owns this weird theme park dude ranch rodeo thing mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you remember what it was called jupiter's claim jupiter's yes. claim that's what it was because his name is jupiter yeah. Yeah. Ricky Duke Park. Yes. Uh, yeah. He he remains unharmed during the massacre on set. And just when it looks like, oh, the chimp maybe isn't going to really attack him. Then it finally, toward the end of the movie, we see the fist bump and then someone shoots the chimp. Mm-hmm. We see the blood splat. So the chimp dies and some horses die in this movie. Yeah. So that something else dies, too. Uh, yeah. And so does uh, OJ's father, I guess. Yeah, there's there's a, there's, a lot of people die. In fact, a, now that I think about it, yeah, there's a lot uh, of about forty people at that show. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of people. Yeah, so a pretty high body count, I guess. <laughs> the cast of the Gordy Show. The cast of the Gordy Show, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which uh, I really want someone to cut in an Alf puppet. And, and pretend that Alf went nuts, and that's why they canceled the show. Yeah. The puppet just went crazy and killed a bunch of people. Yeah. Well, you know, hand puppets have what's called an attack protocol. They yeah. do. They do. Oh, yeah. You're not sticking your hand up anything after that. Yeah. No. Uh, Times make... you get that hand in there wrong, and they just go nuts. Yeah. Uh, that, I think that was the best part of Wonder Showsen, that series. You're the one who turned me on to that one, Will. Every part of Wonder Showsen was awesome. Yeah, there's a part where that puppet named Clarence is chasing people through, what, Central Park? Yeah. Why what? are you running? What are you running from? <laughs> are you running from Jesus? <laughs> Jesus. And then when people get mad enough, they start punching the puppet, not the guy who's operating it. <laughs> oh, my God. It's the best. It is. So, uh, will do you? You you had a you were happy to have a couple days to sit with this before we talked about it. Do you want to just give a, a just a general recap of the events? <clears throat> yeah. Well, we start with the the Gordy event, which we have no idea. We have no idea what's going on, and then we cut to, um, do we cut to OJ and his dad? Is that next? 
I think so. I think so. Uh, and uh, they hear they're out on their ranch working with the horses. Um, and they hear screaming somewhere in the sky. But there's nothing up there. It's like an auditorium. Yeah. And they're like, what is that? And then stuff starts falling out of the sky, like keys and bits of metal. And one of them hits uh, OJ Sr. Yeah. And uh, uh, OJ has to grab him and uh, take him to the hospital. But unfortunately, he dies. So he inherits the business and he brings his sister on who... uh, I guess she had interest in the business at one time, but dad kind of brushed her aside. Didn't trust her sensibilities for business, maybe? Yeah. And, uh, well, you also got the feeling that maybe because she was a girl. The, yeah, there there could have been that. I kind of got that yeah, I feeling felt, there. I felt like that was in there, too. But uh, we, we see OJ, and he's on set in front with a horse in front of a green screen. And uh, he's waiting for his sister to show up because he's painfully shy and obviously does not like to handle the the uh, presentation presentation at all. You yeah. know, uh, customer interaction not his strong suit. Um, so he gives a little introduction, and then uh, his sister shows up, and she's very sort of gregarious and bombastic and uh yeah funny and kind of side hustling everything yeah she's <laughs> always got a side hustle going kind of rolling it into the presentation somehow mm-hmm. yeah um and uh then we uh head back to the ranch with them and it's late at night and one of the horses is out, and they don't know how he got out. So OJ goes down there to corral it, and it takes off. And he goes after it, and then he sees something in the sky behind the clouds. And the whole time you're watching this, you don't know what's going on. <laughs> At least I didn't. Uh, probably the first half hour of the movie was just, I don't know where this is going or right. what the... It's you, going on. You didn't know there was any UFO involvement? No. Oh, good, good. I watched no trailers other than one. Um, I didn't read any reviews or anything. I went into this as cold as I could. Um, I did watch one guy, uh, his little rundown of the of the first trailer that came out, and he was trying to figure out what the movie was going to be about. And he had a great theory <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, it was all wrong, but he thought, uh, he said there were aliens, he picked out that, mm-hmm. but uh, he thought they were turning horses into people, which uh, is the plot of... Uh, uh, Island of Dr. Moreau? <laughs> no, uh, recently there was a movie called... Uh, Horse People? Sorry to Bother You. <laughs> Don't um, know this one. <laughs> oh, what was it called? I can't remember, I have to look it up, but... Uh, uh, it was a guy who, a uh, black guy who gets hired on at a, at a, uh, telecommunications business because he has a great white voice. He can oh. code switch and, uh, sorry to bother you is what it's called. Okay. And, uh, it's a whole thing about capitalism and 
Yeah. About six different messages going on into it. The the last one is for whatever reason they're turning people into horses. <laughs> like horse people. I don't really know where that's going, but uh Yeah. I would like to see that now. Watch it. Horse people. Sorry to bother you. Hmm. Um yeah. It's a pretty good mon- movie. All right. So uh, so to kind of wrap up the recap, uh, at this point... Well, they they kind of... He gets an idea of what it is. And so his sister, always looking for a, an income stream, decides, well, let's film it. And then right. we'll put it on Oprah. And we'll make money. Right. And so they go to Fry's. It's Fry's, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, Which I think is real. Yeah. It is real, but yeah. it is now defunct. defunct. Yeah. Oh, okay. It went out of business 2018, something okay. like that. So you know this is before COVID. Right. Um, and they talked to a guy in there uh, on Hale, Angel. Yes. Um, and uh, he's like, you guys don't know what you're doing. I'll come out and hook up all the cameras. Yeah. Uh, basically because he's some sort of UFO nut. Yeah, he, they don't say what they're trying to capture, but he figures it out. He figures it out pretty quick. Yeah. Because I think one of them says, we're filming the sky? Yeah. I think he makes reference to that. So uh, He comes out and he just kind of becomes a hanger-on and uh, uh, helps them set up the cameras. Um, they try to catch this thing. Uh, on video, they don't have a lot of luck, so they call in a uh, professional uh, director of photography that they had met at the commercial at the beginning with the horse and the green screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are able to convince him to come out by yeah. kind of, you know, stroking his ego a little. And, you know, oh, it's going to be an impossible thing to film, they tell right. him. Which he has to now has to do it. Well, they, there's the incident at Jupiter's. Oh yes, he he gets wind of that. Mm-hmm. Yes, that happens. Um, and then we also get uh, another flashback of Gordy to figure out, kind of show what actually happened. Right. And um, then yeah, there's an incident at Jupiter's claim, and. Uh, uh the then there the uh thing uh kind of retaliates mm-hmm. drops a bunch of stuff on the house after eating a bunch of people including blood it appears uh-huh so the house is completely stained in blood yeah yeah right of blood slayers fans yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i'm sure the slayer fans would go nuts that was the devil's reign. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Um, Just a second. Eventually they go on to uh, fight the monster mm-hmm. and uh, defeat it. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, we gave all the spoilers at the beginning of this. Yeah. Or the spoiler, wa- <clears throat> the spoiler warning. Uh it it is like the 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 third act of the movie is is kind of the whole kind of chase sequence battle sequence kind of situation where um, it's 
trying to figure out how to outsmart the UFOs, the aliens, the spaceships, whatever they are. Now, I, I before we talk more about that, I want to ask you guys, like, if, if we were in, let's say, a schoolyard situation, and, and it's like, okay, it's gym class, we're all going out to the soccer field. Uh, football field, Julian. Oh. <laughs> I translated for you. Um, so we're all out at the... I think it's called a pitch. The pitch. We're out on the pitch. I'm out of my depth on the different parts of the field. But let's say there's some circles and some lines and stuff. And they say, okay, everybody who believes in UFOs being operated by aliens are real. Stand over here behind this line. Everyone who thinks they're not real, stand behind that line. And everyone who's undecided, stand over here in this circle. Uh, where would you stand, Will? <laughs> I guess I'm gonna have to stand and they're not real. Okay, you, so you, you if you, you, you if you want to say that they're controlled by aliens, yes. If you just want to say they're unidentified flying okay. objects, then of course those are real. Yes, yeah. that's objectively that's true. Vague. That's not. objectively true. There are things in the skies that are unidentified, but we're talking strictly they're driven by aliens. And yeah. You, so you're gonna stand over behind the line that says that I don't think they're real. No. Jolien? Nope. You're, you're, nope. You're behind the nope line too. Okay. And I'm on the undecided. Okay. And uh, I have plenty of reasons why, but I'm just going to say for the sake of brevity, I'm undecided. I think there's a lot uh, more to the unexplained than it's fleeting glimpses or the equipment can't quite pick it up properly for us to truly identify it. It remains unidentified. Sure, fine, cool. But uh, some of the stuff and how it behaves that's unidentified to me is pointing to a larger mystery that I don't know anyone is telling us they've solved it if they have indeed solved it. So that's why I stay, you know, behind the line or in the circle of undecided. Like, mm, some something's operating some crazy stuff in our skies and our pilots are completely baffled by what's going on so the thing is uh for me uh, you have to have a raft of explanations uh before you even get to aliens are flying around and flying saucers right you have to uh how do they get here right because they'd have to be faster than light which you can't do why are they why would they turn up hover over a field and then buzz off again yeah after coming all that way yeah so you'd have to explain faster than light travel or extra or interdimensional travel or some some way of circumnavigating mm -hmm. getting from there to here right where uh, wherever there is so yeah oh yeah so then you get all the uh well they come from inside the earth or they um they're, they're, they're from the future. They're us from the future. <laughs> yeah, us from the future. Yeah, so there's there's such a huge hurdle to get over to. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, th and those are some of the reasons why I can't say, oh, I just totally believe. So statistically speaking. Yes. There are other creatures out there. Yes. But, you know. Yeah. Come in here. And, no, I don't think so. Yeah, and... and and as it turns out, uh, the, the mathematical equation, the, the Drake equation, uh, 
for figuring Named out. Named after the rapper? Yes. The Canadian rapper? Yes, the Drake? Canadian, yeah. He's yeah. a great, great philosopher. Yeah. Damn. Um, the Drake equation basically says, oh, hell yeah, there's a whole bunch of these civilizations out there, way, way out there somewhere. Statistically speaking, it's, it must be. And cool, cool, cool. But again, how would they get here? So, um, are they a million years further along science than us? And they're like, light travel. Are you guys kidding? We what figured a, that out already. We figured that out like 600,000 years ago. Um, you know, so that's where I would say, eh, you know, with a sufficient head start, maybe they got light travel and interdimensional travel figured out. And so let's say to entertain possibilities. Uh, what's really crazy though is in a good way is that Jordan Peele with this story is saying, yeah, but what if they show up and they don't understand anything and they're fooled by a mannequin horse <laughs> or big inflatable yeah, cartoon it's, it's character. Jaws in the sky, you know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> it kind of is, isn't it? Uh-huh. Um, so, if, if we're to suspend our disbelief for the sake of a movie and enjoy the fact that uh, there is something zipping around in the sky that's really hungry, loves horse meat, so, so they're probably French, right? Probably. <laughs> I'm just kidding. They, do they still eat horse meat? Sure, why not? Yeah, yeah it's possible. Um, but they, they love eating human meat and horse meat and spitting out keys and coins. and Talking about the French? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> the French can't digest most metals, <laughs> so they spit those up. Yes. Um, from high altitudes, doing as much harm as possible with the flying metal. Yeah. Yeah, belt buckles, you know. Uh-huh. Keys. Yeah, yeah, things like that. Rings, watches. Sure. Tiaras. Yeah. Spurs. Facial piercings. Uh-huh. Well, not just face piercings. All piercings. All, all body piercings. Pier- yes. yeah. yeah. So, would you think that if they could, they being the aliens, could come from wherever they are, far, far away, to here, they wouldn't at some point, like, figure out, oh, we don't have to do all that stuff. You know, we could just uh, hover over nudist colonies and <laughs> save ourselves the trouble <laughs> of all the Ooh. keys and stuff. Yeah. Possibly. I didn't know I was going there before I said that, but, well, <laughs> but I've never heard of the nudist camp theory of <laughs> alien visitation. No, nude yoga yeah. classes have been decimated. <laughs> but would aliens just, just show a rain of towels? Would they not do any homework? Would they not like watch some of our TV or just like land? I don't and... think this thing could watch TV. Yeah, what is it? I don't think it's a UFO in in the in the thought that it's uh, in the classic sense, in the classic sense that it's a flying saucer full of little green men, <laughs> it itself is some sort of creature. The yeah. saucer is the creature. Maybe it's just full of some sentient, hungry goo. Yeah, it's got a brain, probably, and yeah, it's just and it's just hungry. Yeah, so all the time. Around hungry. Yeah. You know. Well, do you want to get into what we think the film's about? Yeah, let's get into what the actual symbolism is in this movie. Because, uh, and Will, you could tell us some other theories from from user reviews. Okay. 
Go ahead, Jolly. But I want to hear more about this nudist colony theory that you've got going. <laughs> That's interesting. I'm just trying to write I, a better I movie. I can imagine Doris Wishman's <laughs> nope. Um, so this movie starts off with a quote from the Book of Nahum, which is uh, less of a book, more of a hateful pamphlet. I've got a Bible here, and it's like the whole book covers three pages. Wow. Um, so it's about spectacle. Uh, and I will cast abominable filth upon thee, mm. which the creature does, and make thee vile, and will set thee as spectacle. Okay. Uh, so the actual book is about the downfall of the, the city of Nineveh, and specifically blames it on a on a woman who's who the book regards as a harlot. Mm. One, one of the happier. Bible stories. The Bible. Yeah. <laughs> Not like all the others. <laughs> Man, why the why all the harlot hate in the Bible? I gotta ask. Yeah. You know, harlots are fun. Someone Just, wasn't getting any. Right. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> got, got it in for harlots. Yeah. So um, you got this creature, which is both an eye and a mouth. Okay. Yeah. It's like. Uh, it's uh, like Hollywood. It sucks people up, <laughs> chews them, spits them out. Okay. Uh-huh. You have the uh, people who are, when confronted by spectacle, we stand there kind of slack-jawed, uh, inactive, complacent, stupefied, and irresponsible spectacle will kill us. Hmm. Um, we have the an industry which, for the sake of spectacle, will ruin people, hurt animals. We mm. see footage of... Animal harm. Animals, you know, being thrown together for jungle movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, you know, that footage turns up in several old Tarzan movies. And yeah. Um, you know, we have, um, we have the, the people being damaged. We have the, you know, the incident with Gordy. Right. Um, people are literally chewed up by Gordy. Um, you have uh, people who, um, for the sake of spectacle or making money out of spectacle, will turn their own tragedies into commerce. So you have um, Dupe mm-hmm. yeah. turning in the Gordy spectacle. He has a room for it. Yeah. He lets people sleep in his room. And he will tell a story and... He'll tell the story through filter of another spectacle. He doesn't talk about the actual incident. He talks about the SNL skit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. About it. One step removed. Yeah. And then you have um, people at this ranch where they're using horses for films and they're being replaced by CG animals um, trying to turn the alien incident into money, which they don't know that Jupe's doing already. Right. Yeah. He's actually, you know... It's part of his Wild West yeah, show. Yeah, when, when they talk about buying back their horses, he changes the subject. Right. Uh-huh. figure out where the horses are gone. Right. Um, so they they want to take this, the Oprah shot, as they call it, and make money off of that. Uh, and they're going to risk their lives doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the, uh, the bike rider turns up. Oh, yeah. He's literally a camera. You know, you don't see his face. He's yeah. The, was it TMZ? TMZ. Yeah. Um, you know, he's just this 
He's just this mirror. He's just this lens. Um, turns up and goes after the alien despite their warnings and suffers for it. Yeah. The cinematographer wants to get that shot and the impossible shot. Yeah, the impossible shot because he knows the camera's going to be spat out, so he lets himself be eaten. Yeah. Uh, to get this shot. It's <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous. He was willing to do anything to make it. Yeah. Uh huh. So uh, yeah, I think that's what what's going on. Yeah, I forgot about the bike rider. That was just that was a crazy. bizarre image when yeah. you rode up. You know, and it felt like something out of Argento. Or, right. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does look like a jello killer. Doesn't yeah, he? doesn't he? Yeah, that's what exactly what I thought. It was like, oh, this would be a good jello killer. You know? So, so does Otis mirror face? Does Otis um, OJ? Uh, does he represent an archetype in in horror movies? The, I mean, he's not really quote unquote final girl in this, but he kind of is. Uh, but there's always somebody in the horror movies that that has the light bulb moment and figures everything out. Um, I don't know what you would call that archetype or that character, but he seems to have well, that. He knows about animal behavior, and he recognizes this. What they call UAP is the. Mm-hmm. Is an animal, it's how it's yeah. behaving. Yeah, that you can't look it in the eye because you will set it off. Right, yeah, that, and that's that's pretty well known in uh, you know the behaviors of certain animals that that it will be perceived as a challenge or a threat. And so, yeah, he figures out the animal behavior of the thing. So it's don't look it in the eye. Yeah. And then if and if it if it sees other things that it thinks are eyes, then it's going to go after those things. Yeah. And it's not going to suck you up and eat you and spit out all your keys and piercings and stuff. Um, but figuring out how this kind of almost primitive behaving UFO UAP how it's how it thinks and acts that is that is the job of of someone in a horror movie to say. All right. Here's how we fool Jason. Here's how mm-hmm. here's how we escape Freddy. You know. Here's how we're gonna trap him and kill him. The, OJ is that character in this movie, but he's also kind of the final girl, mm. or final boy in this case, if you, however you want to look at it. Um, if that didn't happen, if they just tried some things and it didn't work and everyone died, would the movie be a big disappointment? If everybody got eaten, or would it just the be, thing won? Yeah, or would it, it just flew away, chuckling? Um, uh, I don't know. I mean, you kind of like to watch the protagonist win, but of course. But it, would it be less satisfying, or would it be totally disappointing? Would it feel like why did we watch this whole movie to have this happen? Uh, I think it would have stayed with the theme of people sacrificing themselves for the sake of spectacle right yeah Um, i think it was still would have worked yeah yeah like say oj got eaten but his sister survived and he sacrificed himself yeah yeah but we but we did like to see our main characters overcome outsmart and survive yeah which i think the survival game is one of the themes in this movie, you know, to, to be at odds that seem insurmountable, but 
well, the, the three people who have the you know the, the neighbors the ranchers uh you got dupe and, and then the the brother and sister mm -hmm. so they're all people who've been uh they've been their legacy has been removed from uh spectacle or well, spectacle has removed them from history right um so uh seeing them overcome that is more exciting and than just seeing them be killed off because that's that'll be easy right yeah yeah that that certainly makes sense to uh to a story being more satisfying yeah uh and luckily there is no reasonable logical way to make a sequel to this <laughs> because I, I gotta say this is a this is a one and done if you ever yeah i don't think jordan <clears throat> peele seems like a sequel kind of person he does not want a franchise best i could tell yeah you know, nope too yeah the nopening <laughs> the nopening <laughs> yeah he's happy to to lend a hand being a producer on tv series yeah and things like that but I don't think he wants the next Freddy or Jason. Mm. Till he gets Freddy or Jason money. Well, if they back <laughs> it. you're like, yeah. Well, he, was, he was offered uh, money <clears throat> to do uh, a, a live-action version of Akira. Oh, which wow. Which he loves. And in this movie, he gets to do an Akira shot. Yes. Because you get uh, uh, um, Emerald doing the skidding on the bike thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he will turn down money. Yeah. And I think you said it best a couple of years ago, Jolien, we were talking about these movies and these movie makers. And I think you said there's Robert Eggers, Jordan Peele and everybody else. <laughs> and I think that's well put. Yeah. Because it seems like, and, and I have not seen the Northman and I don't know anything about it. Uh, well, I know a little bit about it from the previews and some interviews, but... Um, it's about a guy who lives up north. Yeah, he's just the Northman, you know. Also known as Santa Claus. <laughs> it's his origin story. Yes, it really is allegory for Santa Claus, isn't uh -huh. it? Yeah. Like most things. <laughs> um, so, I guess my question would be, uh, if if we get... These directors we already have, you know, Guillermo del Toro and, and Jordan Peele and Robert Eggers and a couple other people. Uh, if we get these guys just to stay on track, you know, making stuff the way they make it. I mean, is that the new guard and we don't have to worry about it for a while? The next 15, 20 years, we're good. No, I'm hoping for uh, more women to emerge. Yeah, De definitely. And I think, you know. I guess mainly my question is about quality is like, as long as we have this level of quality with some enclave, like five, six, eight directors, you know, can we breathe finally and say, all right, it's going to be okay. Horror is going to, well, that's usually the case, you know, in any golden age of horrors, there's very few directors doing the, at the forefront. Yeah. Yeah. And there's sometimes people like you might get a one-off where someone captures lightning in a bottle and yeah, yeah then everything else they do sucks. Right. <laughs> I know you're thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it happens. But uh, overall though, though um, what, what do you, th what do you think somebody like Jordan Peele could do next? I don't know. Well, you don't know. 
that's that's, that's the, the best thing. Didn't yeah, see you nope. don't know. Didn't see nope coming, yeah. did you? No. What is this about? It's a cloud. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they, I was so delighted by this. It, this also reminded me of one of my favorite short stories, which is by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was first published 99 years ago uh, called Horror of the Heights. And it's about the early days of flight. And these pilots are uh, trying to get higher and higher. And in a way, it's also about people killing themselves for the sake of achievement and commercialism and yeah. uh, progress or whatever, Yeah, which is usually in the sake of commercialism. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they're, they're, And they get up to a certain level and they realize that they're not alone. There's, there's creatures at a certain level of the atmosphere that, that start thinking, oh, there's these big things coming up that we can eat. Nice. Uh, it's a really good story. Horror of the Heights. And it's in several anthologies, and you can find the whole thing online. There's audio versions and everything. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Horror of the Heights. Yeah, there's there's something um, that comes up a lot. When, when, you, when you listen to and watch a lot of things to do with alien life and visitation, there are always people who will say, well... Many astronauts have said they've seen things that couldn't be explained any other way except to be intelligent life. You know, and, and then you see the interview footage of the astronauts saying as much. And I start thinking, they, you know, did they get close to getting eaten? <laughs> you know, after, after watching this, I'm thinking, Maybe. you know, did the dark side of the moon actually uh, contain maybe some predators that decided to just kind of hang back and not become known because a lot of the astronauts who, who were on the moon uh, said and did things that people of course have said, well, you know, he's, they edited this out for, for a public display, but they, when you listen to the original trans or, you know, transmissions or read the original transcripts, some of these astronauts said, Oh, there's, nope. they're, they're already here. <laughs> they were like, nope, get back in the ship. We're leaving. <laughs> we're out of here. So what up with that? I got to wonder. Because, yeah. because when it's pilots and astronauts, it's not like they, they're, pardon the expression, into flights of fancy. <laughs> but uh, there, there's a there's a decent amount of them that have seen things that they said were mysterious or maybe nefarious. So, what do you do with that if you're standing behind the line that says I do not believe? It's like I I don't, and then I, I say know. and I say I maybe do, but I maybe don't, and then the astronauts are like, yeah, we're over here behind this other line where we do believe because we saw them. Yeah. Like yeah. we're, we're the first ones up here. Oh, there's someone else already flying around. I feel like Christopher Columbus all of a sudden. <laughs> I don't know. It's not an important question, you know, for today. For today. But I think, it, yeah, I think it'll become an important question. It's like, are they really, are they really out there? And how hungry are they? Mm. And are they worse than the Hollywood machine? Which no. is, but is that, is that expressly? And I mean, is that a, is that these? Do you feel the the singular best explanation for the the symbolism of the movie and and the story? 
Well, you can also expand on that and say uh, Hollywood's mostly a white-run machine, mm -hmm. traditionally mm -hmm. white male. Um, and uh, in terms of um, this continent, mm -hmm. um, if you want to look for invading aliens, <laughs> who do you look at? Who might that be? Who could that be? Who am I talking about there? Um, so within that the alien invasion, uh, they used other people as part of the invasion, or we used mm -hmm. other people as part of that invasion, and would regard them as aliens. So there's, there's levels of alien in this movie going on. Hmm. What about the transformation of the ship from the classic saucer shape to this kind of strange yeah. parachute? Oh, it looks like an early camera to me. Well, it's a box. Yeah. It's a tube. Yeah, it, it, it's cruising around looking like a parachute slash jellyfish. And then all of a sudden when face to face with it, you do see this box pop forward yeah. and, and a box pop out of remind, that. Remind me of Peeping Tom. Yeah. Mm. You've got that mirror mounted behind the phallic lens yeah. popping out of you recording yeah. the last moments yeah so interesting that's that's another film where uh, capturing an image is lethal yeah. okay to the to the spectator yeah how interesting <laughs> yeah when when the uh when the ship changed form i i my first thought was it didn't need to do that for the story mm-hmm but it needed to do it for the symbolism, whatever that symbolism might be. Yeah, but it was, I mean, just without without thinking about the symbolism, it was just beautiful. So yeah. alien. Yeah. I've never seen anything like it before. No. And, and very seldom, you might see a creature from a ship change form or reveal its actual form from some sort of camouflage, but you would not see the ship itself change like that. Unless the ship is the creature. Yeah. Is the creature not within it? Is it just uh, able to sh shape shift? That might be what it is. Yeah, that's what I took it as. This is that, that entity is the animal. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I took the UFO is an animal. And not a vehicle with an animal in it. No. Interesting. Okay. Itself is, is an animal. And that was its scary form. <laughs> and it gets really angry. Yeah. Puffs up its fins. Yeah, it's not hiding anymore. Yeah. Did Did you like uh, again the, the the Jaws sort of thing with the barrels? You know. Oh yeah. <clears throat> if you think about like the flags. Yeah, the flags and and the uh, the fiberglass horse. And... Oh my god, that that image where it's like uh, you got the van with the horse sticking out of it, and then there's the house which is covered in blood. And there's all these clouds over it. It's just so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Like stunning to look at this bizarre film. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I had no screen. idea what that that thing was that fell on the truck at first. Right. Yeah. What yeah. the hell is going on? Yeah. I think he didn't want you to see what it was. Yeah. Until you, you know, until he was ready to show you. Yeah. Because I was trying to figure out what what got dropped. Oh no, what is it? And it's like yeah, it's a fiberglass horse. But then, uh, when finally at the end of the film, it was, it was the sister, wasn't it, who, uh, who figured out to release 
to first of all capture some pictures using yeah she goes into jumbo's uh, jupiter's claim <laughs> jumbo jupiter's claim and because she knows there's that well there which is the camera yeah and she's going to capture the photo yeah, she, and, she's not letting she's, go of that she's going to release the big jupiter and the, yeah float yeah the big balloon choke, make it choke on it and chokes on it because it just recognizes it as a as a being that it can eat yeah which to me was like a really thrilling part of the story for me was that this thing is like so intelligent that it can get all the way here and start hunting but it's so dumb to fall for a fiberglass horse and a big inflatable dude well we don't know where it came from no, though don't know. we don't know that it's was it just even alien drifting around it could be you know from inside the earth mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it would be like one of us just getting dropped into the the Amazon, and it's yeah. like, what are all these creatures you've never seen or heard of? Nom nom nom. Yeah, mm, these taste pretty good. Yeah. Oh, these oh, berries it, killed me. Yeah. <laughs> this this thing bit me in the face, or oh, or was poisonous, or yeah. yeah. It looks kind of like a slug, but also like something else. Yeah, I think we would probably get fooled by unfamiliar stuff. Yeah. But the sister, the sister, when she's like going to use the well to capture her, her Oprah photos, you know, uh, plenty of change lying around, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like keys, keys. Oh, here's some change. <laughs> yeah. So that, that was kind of cool because it, it also says something about the advancement of technology. And I'm not sure what the message might be because the guy shows up with the hand crank old fashioned camera. Right. We've, we've talked about the original zoetrope or whatever it was with the rider and the horse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the sister has to use a coin-operated, hand-crank, uh, old-school Polaroid. Because it, it, the, the creature's got this electromagnetic pulse thing going, isn't uh-huh. it? Yeah. So yeah. you can't use any tech on it you know, t- to take its photo or a video of it. Yeah. So... Is that saying something about how far advanced our technology is and how in the bigger picture it might mean nothing at some point? Um, hmm. I think uh, I took it as um, you've got this group of people who are very familiar with the early days of cinema. So they know that you you don't you can get around the use of electricity to, yeah. to make a film. Right. Uh, that they are aware of other ways to capture an image yeah and the and the workaround you know is what makes me think is there a larger statement about uh you know what's going to happen when when this grid crashes or this or you know the the cloud where everyone's stuff is stored just vanishes you know the, the big short circuit the big electromagnetic pulse that's going to wipe out all that stuff uh are we all going to be pretty helpless except for a small handful of people who know the workarounds yeah, I think is is like this general idea of like a history of spectacle, the history of technology being used for spectacle, mm-hmm. and this is just ongoing and it's removing us further and further from direct experience. Right. Mm, yeah. 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 Then. Uh... But but when you have people who work on a ranch and they you know having to you do physical labor and they're they're more aware of direct experience and they're able to think around it. Yeah, relationship to the earth and nature. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's some some cool lessons are hiding in there. For uh I think 
the way things are today, especially like how much time is spent by your average person staring into a little square of technology that what would they do if it was gone? Right. You know, probably something worthwhile. Yeah. <laughs> I'd take a nap. <laughs> take One a nap. Two. Read a book. Read a book or take a nap. Yeah. I don't get nearly enough time for those two things. Yeah. Well, I have, I have, uh, the, uh, happy experience of going to the movies for the first time in a long time and seeing something fantastic and having faith in the director, uh, you know, being supported by another good piece of work, you know, another great piece of work. Uh, so overall, um, how did you feel about the movie? Will? Yeah. <laughs> no, I really liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Better than antlers. Better than antlers. All right. Why was the, that's one thing I can't figure out. Why was the cinematographer called antlers? Oh yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, He's called Antlers Holst. Holst, Gustav Holst, the planets. I don't know why, but that's where I take that from. Unless there's another Holst out there that I should know. Yeah, what? Antlers, in Get Out, you have the dead deer and you have his use of the antlers, which plays into Mm -hmm. the old uh, term that white guys had for young black men, which was buck. Mm -hmm. And he, the ways he, he kills the white people in that movie is through racial terms, mm-hmm. racist terms. Hmm. But why in this movie is the cinematographer, who seems like a decent guy, yeah, called Antlers? Huh. That is a good I don't question. Know. Creature design. I, I couldn't figure out any of the names really. I mean, um, Emerald, Otis. Angel is like a. He, he's he he's like a, he's a guardian angel sort of thing. Yeah, because he's watching over them literally. Hmm. Uh, Emerald, I don't know why Emerald. OJ, you can kind of get the idea that because the the way the people react to him in the studio. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, OJ. that OJ, he's like this bugbear for white people. And, yeah. Um. But yeah, Emerald, I don't know. Uh, Antlers, I don't know. Hmm. Jupiter. Yeah, Jupiter. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. There's some stuff. There's like stuff with numbers. Like why 613? Why does that keep coming up? It's, it's, there's like a, there's the uh, Jupe um, schedules his show for 613. Okay. And Gordy's attack occurred over six minutes and 13 seconds oh i I didn't pick up on either of those me neither so you know why he's doing it in the movie but why is 613 yeah so it's jordan peele's birthday (laughs) i don't know i don't know it could be something as simple as it's a significant date for him yeah but yeah there's a and he did all that 11 11 stuff in us there's yeah. Uh, um, Angel's van has eleven eleven on it. Of course. Yeah. So strange. Like uh, maybe he'll tell us one day. I can only hope. <laughs> yeah. Or to have invite him over. Yeah. Get him on the podcast. <laughs> I don't mean tell us specifically, but us in general. Um, no, on the show. 
Yeah, yeah, I, would, yeah, I want yeah. him on the show. Yeah, I would. There's, there's so much in this movie that just makes me think, oh, I want to be your friend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want to know so what's going on. sitting there with his Gilman t-shirt on. Like, yeah. <laughs> I get you, Jordan. Yeah, and I think he gets us, and that's why he makes these movies. Yeah. Um, did you have anything else to say about the movie before we wrap it up? No, love it. Okay, yeah. So the uh, the recommends, obviously, yes, you love it, you recommend it. Yep. Same, Will. Eh. <laughs> I give it a 9.5 out of 10. Okay, so that's a meh for you. That's a meh. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I... No, I definitely recommend this. And I and I can say this will also entertain non horror fans because this isn't really, you know, it's tense. It's tense. It's suspenseful. It's not horror. Funny. Yeah. It's funny. It's you got more. But funny. I think that first half hour is pretty tense. Yeah. Or at least I felt tense for the first half yes. hour because you don't know what's going on. I think the bit with the um, where he's in the barn with the. Ooh, yeah, that's that's Ooh. pretty scary. That was chilling. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, nope. Yeah, so, nope. N- so nope is a yep. Yes to nope. <laughs> yes, we've said yes to nope, and I hope that uh, if for some reason listeners have listened to this and haven't seen the movie, I don't know why you decided to have us spoil it, but uh, see the thing, see it again. Yeah. And this is, as much as people like to say it's a dead technology, uh, I will definitely buy this one on disc. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. I like the Jordan Peele's movies, um, at least the last two, Us and and this one, Nope. He doesn't mind making a movie that can only be a movie. Mm -hmm. Like, he's not hung up on, could this really happen? Does the movie need to feel like a lived experience for somebody? You know, things that are a little outside or a little, they only exist because it's, it fits the theme. Yeah. You know. Yeah, maybe the scope of it's too big to be real or Yeah. The workings of it are you know, very us felt kind of dreamlike in a way. Yeah. Or at least the logic felt kind of dreamlike. But I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. But I know a lot of people, a lot of reviews were like, This is the worst movie ever. <laughs> It's no. terrible. It would have never happened like that. Where did they get the scissors? Yeah, right. <laughs> like it's called suspending your disbelief a just, little bit. Yeah. It's like, well, bigger picture. Why? Why does everybody have a doppelganger and it's trying to kill them? Uh, don't worry about the scissors as much as the bigger theme. You know, the bigger problem there. In yeah, you're not worried about stationary when your doppelganger is coming. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, everybody knows the doppelganger's evil, right? Yeah. They're never good. They never have anything good <laughs> to yeah. bring you. If you meet your doppelganger and it's and you're the one with a goatee, you might be the evil one. You might be. Yeah. Yeah. But if you both have goatees. Then what? Oh. Yeah. I think it's human nature to want to kill your doppelganger. Yeah. So maybe they just saw you first. Uh-huh. Maybe that's why they're murderers. Maybe it's your triple ganger. Oh, yeah. man. Triple gangers would be great. That's a better <laughs> if movie. If you have sex with your doppelganger, it's a doppelbanger. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but. 
<laughs> I think we've just written Jordan Peele's next movie. I yes. hope so. Doppelbangers. Jordan, get on the show. We'll, we'll give you lots of ideas. Yeah, These are other great, of great ideas. A porn, a <laughs> porn are, hub are, original. They're available for a minimal cost. Yeah. Doppelganger banger. <laughs> well, that's a good way to wrap the show up, isn't it? hope so. <laughs> All right. Anything else before we get out of here? Nope. All right. Listeners, thank you for listening. Nope.